Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, October 23rd. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I'd like to talk a bit about isolation and isolation as a tool, really as a tool to control populations. So let me start with this. Many years ago, decades ago, before I became an attorney, I did some undercover investigative work. And one of my assignments was out in Southern California. I was undercover inside of a wine production company, which was having theft out of their warehouses of wine, but also altering of the books inside of the company in order to hide the missing product from the warehouses. And because I worked for an agency that did contract work for the federal government, And because the wine was being moved out of state, out of California, across state lines, it became a federal issue. And the company that I worked for, as I said, was a contract investigative agency for the federal government. So I was out in California, and when you work undercover, what happens is the company arranges for your identity. So I had a fake name and and a fake identity and fake documents to support who I was. And my employer would arrange for my living accommodations wherever I was working, in this case, Southern California. So they rented me an apartment and they had me hired by the company. I was working in the comptroller's office. We had a corresponding agent in the warehouse. My job was to figure out who was altering the books. The agent's job in the warehouse was to figure out who was stealing the wine. And so I tell you this story because When I got to California and I got to the apartment that had been rented for me in Newport Beach, one of the furnished apartment, one of the first things I noticed was that there was no television. Now we're talking pre-computer, pre-internet. So television was the primary, the only other than radio, I guess, uh, means of entertainment. So I walked into this apartment and I looked around and I thought, there's no television what am I going to do? (laughs) And I found out pretty quickly what I was going to do. What happened was that all the time that I normally would have spent watching television when I wasn't at work, well, there was no television to watch, as I just described. So I found myself going out more. Going out, I began to run on a nearby track at a high school near where my apartment was. I began to simply go out and stroll around Newport Beach and I began to meet people and I became much more social, much more active and much more outside of my living space, outside of my apartment. All those hours that I would have spent watching television, instead now I was interacting either with nature or with other humans. I tell you this because we all know 
how addicted we are to the technology, whether it's our iPhones, our iPads, our laptops, whatever it is, it is a, it's probably more than a national, it's probably a global addiction. And it's no one's fault. The technology is very addicting. It's very seductive. It's very addicting. It's interesting. It's easy. It can be very informative. And as we all know, it can be very destructive. But regardless of whether you're using it to gain information or simply to chill out and watch a movie or whatever you're doing, or even doing damaging types of access like excessive pornography, let's say, or just pornography in general, regardless of what you're doing, the fact that you're doing it, meaning regardless of what you're accessing, whether it's for a noble cause, an educational cause, or a self-destructive cause, nonetheless, we're on it. We're on the technology and it has incredible adverse effects. It has adverse effects health-wise, but in particular, as I talk about the isolation and I compare it to that time back when I was in Newport Beach and didn't have a television, I myself can see how my dependency, let's even call it an addiction. I'm not ashamed to call it that, I know how many hours a day I spend on my computer. First of all, I work on it. I'm a mediator. I have to draft agreements. I do Zoom mediations. I have to be on it for business. But I'm also on it for news because I do this podcast and I need to be informed for you. So I'm on it for other reasons beside work. And then I have a game or two that I like to play. I play Scrabble on my uh, iPhone. I play Scrabble on my iPad. All these reasons, right? I watch movies on Netflix. All of these reasons keep us glued to and experiencing the effects of the radiation and all of the other psychological aspects of what the technology does. So why am I relating it to isolation? Well, the more addicted you become to the technology, the less you need people the less you need to interact with people. You know, I had an, an interesting experience yesterday. It was the Sabbath for me, the Jewish Sabbath, and I don't go on the technology on the Sabbath. I kind of disengage from the material world. But yesterday, I don't know why, I got, I for, either I forgot or I was unfocused. I was on my laptop for several hours in the morning, like four consecutive hours. And when I shut down the, when I realized what I was doing, I shut down the computer I was dizzy. I couldn't get my balance back. And I thought I was getting sick, but there were, I had no other symptoms other than being somewhat lightheaded and having difficulty being stable. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, is a retired physician in Austin. So I texted and I said, listen, I don't have any symptoms. I'm just like unstable and, and I have a little bit of a headache and I'm wobbly when I walk. And I got a text back that said, were you on the computer a lot today and have you been in the house all day? And I immediately said yes. And what this person shared with me is that it happens to them a lot too. And it has to do with being in the house and exposed to the computer and all of the emissions from the computer, but also all of the, I guess you would call it psychological and emotional interactions that we have as a result of being on the technology. So I mention it because COVID did a whole lot to exacerbate this problem. 
We were all isolated, literally. The government isolated us, right? It kept us in our homes for over a year, almost two years in some states, in some places. And not only was that an isolating experience in and of itself, but because we were isolated, we got even more reliant upon the technology. As a perfect example, I used to do mediations in person, but now all the mediations are online. They're on Zoom. So even where there used to be contact with clients, now it's done through the technology and it's just not the same. Isolation is very destructive. It's part of the overall division or separation that we've all been subjected to and continue to be subjected to. You know, political correctness and identity politics are used to divide us as well into groups. And those groups are pitted against one another. So there's isolation there in the sense that you're limited, not the same as being isolated alone in your home or or isolated as a result of COVID, but isolated in small groups, right? That make us feel separate from others. I was reading an essay yesterday that was on a website called American Greatness, and it's written by a woman named Stella Morabito. And it was actually an excerpt from a book that she's written called The Weaponization of Loneliness. And she talks, obviously, a great deal about isolation in in the book and in the essay. She talks about how it's used to cause people to seek out connection and follow this, to seek out connection in mobs that have ideological goals. So yeah, think about that. How many people, when they feel totally isolated, because it's not a normal, healthy human condition. That's why I do think for myself, right? I do it because I don't want people to get their identity or to in any way use mob behavior as a way to not feel isolated. It's destructive and it's dangerous. The other thing that happens with totalitarian rule and manipulation of people's psyche is an abuse of language. This is an essential tool that all totalitarians rely upon in order to create confusion. They subvert the meaning of words. And boy, have we not seen that lately. You know, George Orwell, in his essay called Politics and the English Language, said that the corruption of language leads to the corruption of thought. So that in his dystopian novel, 1984, people went off the rails to the point that they celebrated slogans like freedom is slavery and war is peace. Sound familiar? I mean, today you hear people saying words are violence words are violence. And that's absurd. Violence is a physical act. It's not a spoken phonetic sound. And of course, one of the most obvious perversions that we're experiencing now in language is this enforcement of pronoun protocols so that we all avoid misgendering. What they are doing is destabilizing through your thought process because pronouns serve as what are called structure or scaffolding for language. In fact, linguists refer to pronouns as function words. 
unlike other parts of speech that are adjectives or nouns or um, verbs. They're function words, they, them, his, her, I, me. So if you undermine the structure or the function of language in such a fundamental way, then you implode the process of thought. And we see that happening all around us. We see that people are afraid to speak for fear of using the wrong pronoun. And when you are afraid to speak, then you're afraid to think also because your thinking precedes your speech. It's what Jordan Peterson said recently and what I spoke about in a prior podcast, which is you have to be willing to risk offending someone if you're thinking. Because, and I'll go into this again as I have before, if you're thinking about something, then it's obvious that there is complexity to something or you wouldn't have to think about it. And if there's complexity to it, then it's because there are multiple aspects to something. And if there are multiple aspects to something, then there are other people who are going to have perhaps one of those aspects as their perspective. And if you voice your perspective, which is different than theirs, you risk offending them. But if you don't speak, <laughs> then you don't, you can't think. You can't think unless you're willing to risk offending someone. Otherwise, you're just going to go along with what is and never have thoughts of your own and never analyze anything or never think anything through. Why have I brought all of this up or why am I connecting it to isolation? Well, I'm connecting it to isolation because I think a lot of the perverse things that have happened to us and continue to happen to us, a lot of the breakdown of the culture, a lot of the drug dependency, all of the hundreds of thousands of people who are dying from fentanyl, many of them young, and from methamphetamines coming across the southern border, People turn to those things when they are lost. They turn to those things when they are seeking something, when there is a lack of something in their own lives. And I think one of the reasons, if not a primary reason, along with how the technology has distanced all of us by making us dependent on non-human sources of interaction, is that we've become disconnected from everything meaningful. We've become disconnected from friends, from family, from social groups. We're just disconnected. People who are disconnected tend to get lonely. And people who get lonely tend to reach out in ways that will mitigate those feelings of aloneness. Because again, we're social animals. We're not meant to be alone. I also talked about in a prior podcast, and I think it fits in well here, that we're also disconnected from a source greater than ourselves. I call it God. I don't know what you call it. But if you don't have a connection to a loving source greater than yourself, then you're disconnected from basically an anchor in your life. And if you're disconnected from that, then you don't understand the concept of unity and oneness. And if you don't understand the concept of unity and oneness, that we all come from the same place and we all return to the same place, ideally, that we all come from the same place. And therefore, we all have a connection to one another. Because as I like to say, we are fragments, each one of us, of a whole. 
of a whole entity. And that entity or that being is the source of all that is. If we see ourselves as not connected to that, then we don't see ourselves as connected to one another. And it is that disconnect that I think is causing so much angst and so much of the isolation and so much of the aloneness and the need to turn either to ideological connections or in the worst case scenario to connections of drugs and alcohol and pornography. I looked at my phone yesterday and it said that my daily average for the prior week was four and a half hours on my iPhone, four and a half hours a day. So I did the math. (laughs) And when I did the math, that's over 29 hours a week. So that's one entire day out of seven days. There's 24 hours in a day. I'm on my phone 29 hours a week. That's a day out of my week at which I'm staring at my phone for one reason or another. And that does not account for the time that I'm on my laptop. (laughs) That's a lot of technology. And I'm not alone in this. In fact, I may be less than many other people who are much more tied to the technology. We know that AI is coming. We know we know it's here, but we know it's coming in a huge way and it's going to alter how so much of our lives are lived. Without an understanding of what the technology is doing to us and how those who have ill intent are using the technology to further isolate, manipulate, and control us, without an understanding of that, we are simply standing in quicksand it will become impossible at some point, even if someone throws us a rope to pull us out. We will have become so submerged and so weighted down by the density and the darkness, which is what I believe it is, of being controlled, as I said, not only by the technology itself, but by people who are deliberately using it for that very end. So I guess the message is, Maybe look at your own life and question how much you're on the technology, how much of your political passion is misplaced identity, seeking to relate to a group in some way to compensate for what may be too much isolation or loneliness or lack of social interaction in your own life. Let's take action on both fronts. Let's be aware of our exposure to the technology and if necessary, limit it, reduce it at the very least. And let's pay attention to all of the passions running around political ideologies and see whether or not if our lives were richer, fuller, more connected, more social, more loving, more joyful, if we care as much as we do. And I'm not even sure how much we care I just know how much we rail against everything that is different from what we say we support. Again, we all have to be able to risk offending one another in order to be able to get at the truth of situations, in order to be able to learn something new that we don't already know. I often say that living alone is like living life without a mirror. Because what other people do for us is mirror for us the best and worst of ourselves. 
So let's all make sure that we've got a mirror in the form of other people who are willing to stand up and not only challenge what we say, but are willing to articulate and risk offending you and me by what they think and say. That's called the arena of ideas. And that's the only fight we should be fighting. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.